Thank you for listening to the Giving Light Podcast. We are a family church and world outreach center. Our heart is to empower you to walk in true freedom and equip you to impact your world. Please visit our website at givinglight.org to learn more about us and our many resources, including original music by Brave Music, e-courses for leaders, tools for raising powerful kids, and more. If you would like to support Giving Light financially, visit our Give Online page to choose the best giving method for you. Thanks again for joining us and enjoy this message. I can't believe we've been here over a week, and it's like, what happened? It feels like 24 hours. So, you know, you know my mind's already, you're right, Joe, you're, you're laughing. You know, my mind is already ticking. It wasn't by chance the songs today were on water. Yes. You know, last week God said you had the water rights. In the worship, the Lord showed me a picture, and I had Katie uh, try and find this picture, and it turned out it was a... Uh, a, a turbo that was used to draw water from particular wells that are only used in Australia and America. And that was in the worship last week. And I just heard the Lord saying about there's some situations that the people need the water broken. Could be you're in a tight place, you think. Not you. <laughs> We're not going there. We're not going there. How long have you got? Oh, you've got plenty of time. But we're just praying on time, in time. Not before time, not too late. Easy, quick delivery. Actually, Father, I just release supernatural, supernatural childbirth in Jesus' name. Supernatural lack of memory afterwards in Jesus' name. (laughs) Um, We had our last four at home. Three at home, four at home, can't remember. And, uh, you know, God is good. You know, the, the blessing we have as God's people is that with the time we went to labor and the midwife comes, the baby's here. Okay? And every time in the last six, seven children, um, they thought, yeah, first one was a different ball game. But in the last seven children, they said, oh, I'm not thinking you're in labor. Actually, the last four, they said, you're definitely not in labor. There's no contractions, nothing showing, nothing happening. I'm going, no, this baby's coming. And they said, well, let us say, oops, the baby's here. <laughs> Isn't that true? So I think it was more traumatic for the husbands than it was for the, the mama, because you're up here. We won't go into details. Um, but I just heard the Lord saying, he wants to break the water. Stop it. He wants to break the water. He wants to break the water in some situations. And when you look, when you're in a tight place, if you think you're in a pool, you can move, but you can't move with the fluidity that you need to move at the pace that God gives you to move in, because the water around you stops you hindering. And the word the Lord gave me this morning, he said, I want you to release the reality that um, be it hell or high water, you're coming through. Be it hell or high water, you're coming through. So, Father, whoever, whatever situation you're in, relationship, finances, health, maybe there's a vision, God's birthing in you, maybe there's a promotion, maybe it's just an area of healing that you feel a bit stuck in. You know, I can't remember this young man's name. Evan. Evan. There's a birthing. You know that. So, Father, in the name of Jesus, Father, I decree, God, nothing happens outside your time and your purpose. And, Lord, even as we sang, God, that you will fulfill that which you have said. And, Lord, even as we declare, Lord, we will be people who will say not one word the Lord gave that did not come to pass, but they all came to pass. Mm. Father, we release, Lord, the gentle breaking of the water. Father, we release easy birth. We release quick birth without trauma, without drama. Father, we release healing in the bones. My sister here with a hat, what's your name? Natasha. And the Spirit of God says, daughter, you need to stop uh, trying to wonder what type of woman you are and recognize I've already made you who you are. Mm -hmm. And now it's the season to come right up. The tide that's been around you, daughter, says God, has been one that's been trying to overcome you. And the Spirit of God says, there is nothing that happens in your physical body that I don't know about. But daughter, I'm giving you a promise. It shall not overcome you. And the Spirit of God says, daughter, take your eyes off your body and look up to where I am. Because I have the oversee and oversight of your situation. Father, we decree healing in the gut. We decree balance in the hormones. 
And Lord, where there's imbalance of the fluid levels, of chemical levels, Father, we release balance in Jesus' name. We break the cloud of despair off our sister in Jesus' name. And we speak the cloud that is beginning to swell, which is the destiny and purpose, already is in the atmosphere. We speak healing to your frame. We break off those things you think you are, and we decree of what God has said you are. Anointed, appointed, called, chosen for such a time as this. No going back. Halfway there, if you go back, you may as well go forward. You're in the middle. Father, we release the draw that as the water breaks, God, that our sister moves out into that place of the next, the next. Actually, oh, I better go for it. Uh, the Spirit of God says, you're looking for a safety place to, to land. The Spirit of God says, I'm not bringing you to the next riverbed to stop and to land. I'm taking you from wave to wave. And I've been preparing you for the tsunami ride. I've called you to ride the waves. And even though your emotions have been all over the place and you weren't sure where you were going to land, the Spirit of God says, enjoy the ride because I'm the one who causes the sea to swell and brings it onto dry ground. But I promise you, daughter, the ground will not give way underneath you because I'm the one sustaining you and underholding you. And the Spirit of God says, daughter, you are not isolated. You're not in your own. You're not a misfit. You're not a, a strange one. You're peculiar, says God. And you're peculiar because I set you aside for a purpose that nobody else can fill. Daughter, realize you cannot measure yourself against those around you. Measure yourself against me because I'm a great God that does impossible things. I'm bringing forth the impossible situations, even in these last days, that you will understand that I am the God of the impossible. I can shift and I can move and I can cause the mountain to go into the sea and I can cause the valley to rise. I can cause the mountain to go down. But daughter, I'm causing you to realize what manner of woman you are, that you will know the weapons of warfare that you have are not carnal, but they're mighty in God. And the Spirit of God says, daughter, this is the season you're going to know what it is to be armed and dangerous for the purpose of my kingdom, says God. Thank you, Jesus. So, Amen. Father, Bless we declare in the name of Jesus, God, we break the water. Yes, Lord. We break the water. Yes, Lord. Father, we break the drought. Yes, Lord. And, Father, even as you've already said, come hell, they will regret it. Come high water, you're getting higher. God will fulfill his purpose. We decree it in Jesus' name. We got too many mics here, isn't it? Or is it better? I think we're quiet. We can talk to each other. Amazing things, these uh, electronics, aren't they? Um, there they are, got it. Okay, you know, let me see. Let me look around. Yes, most faces I think I have seen in the last week in one meeting or the other. Maybe some I haven't seen. But anyway, it's good to see you. And let's see what God still has got in store for us this morning. It's been a tremendous blessing being here. Thank you for receiving us with open arms and your love and your grace. It always is a joy when you leave home and you travel. You leave lots of things behind. I was uh, actually, by the way, before I could keep going, I also want to introduce my dear friend, Sam. Uh, <laughs> Sam and I have known each other since we were five years old. We were in our first, but we call it the year one together. And we studied through prep school. And then we also studied in college together. And I went to England. He came here to the United States. And we hadn't met for many years. On his way to the United States, he stopped over in England. And we met briefly. And then we hadn't met until 2017. So nearly 40 years had gone by. And we met and we shared a few things. And suddenly something resonated of the Spirit of God. And I looked at him and think, hey, he's a believer. And he looked at him, hey, he's a believer. Because in our class, there were so many of us, 42 of us, all over the world. So about 18 of us got together in Sri Lanka last year. So you don't know who is who and where they are. It's just that we are classmates and brings us together. So it takes that little bit of time to weigh things up. And we suddenly realize, oh, there's another brother in Christ here. And so we planned to meet. And by the grace of God, God enabled it this time. And so they live in Philadelphia, just half an hour away from the airport. So they're very kind to come and pick us up. And uh, we met his dear wife and the five children. And uh, I was just introducing uh, him to Apostle Melody here. And this man here today, not to embarrass him, truly is an apostle in the marketplace. We have traveled across the globe and carrying this message that we as church cannot be just within the four walls of the church, 
they have to translate the wisdom of God into the kingdoms of this earth, so the kingdoms of this earth will become the kingdoms of our God, and we truly have a person, prophets, pioneering and pushing through, and it's hard work. It is tough work. And we have seen very little evidence of the fullness of the marketplace. I must say, in your land here, United States, at least I was able to see in that place a true expression of the Church of Jesus Christ in the marketplace. Now, that takes some walking, right? We all know. And I know some of you here are already in marketplace, and we remember going and praying for your business, etc. So it is tremendous what God can do. I'm sure Sam wouldn't mind if any of you want to go and just see what it looks like. You know, sometimes we have to see a vision operating and functional to see, ah, this is what goes on within our walls. It's actually happening in the marketplace, and there are the believers and unbelievers together, a mixture for the kingdom of God to invade lives, change lives, change marriages, change families, change their work situation, change the atmosphere. Tremendous. So, so glad that he's here with us today, and I'm sure there'll be a connection here, too. I've already introduced, and his language and our language, they're all the same, really. So from the little island of Sri Lanka from all those years ago. Who thought we will meet in this biggest land in the world, really, United States of America? So here we are. Praise God. So anyway, it's good to be here, to be able to minister the word of the Lord to you. And we all saw different pictures and visions, I believe, over the worship time. I saw something really interesting, and it was about water again. I haven't seen this picture before. It was layered, just like steps. And it was almost like so firm that you can put your foot on it and you can keep climbing. And I thought, okay, God, if the water comes from the top down and wherever it comes and ends, that's where the depth will be. But what I found was it was the other way around. Wherever the water was ending, it was shallow. And we had to keep climbing. Initially, I saw a boat. Some of us were getting a little boat to go up. And it was going up against, if you like, the whole, it's supernatural, isn't it? The, water, the boat will flow with the water. You always see waterfalls, particularly coming in Canada. I've seen different things that the, you know, the boat will flow with it. But this one I saw it going the opposite way. I thought, that is interesting. And then I saw the people of God getting that courage, leaving the boat behind, stepping out, and realizing, actually, God has enabled their feet to walk on water. And this time wasn't an ocean. We were walking towards him. So every step we took, there was a greater depth. But because we were getting used to that process, we didn't think about the depth. We kept going and kept going and kept going. And I believe God is calling us. You know, we have been challenged by water, right? Before these last few weeks and with our apostle here too, with water around his heart and the enemy trying to throw something. And suddenly we can see how God prepares all these things. He pulls us in so we can then be able to see what he has got for us. The enemy always brings a counterfeit of the flesh first. And then God brings the best afterwards. So there is a greater depth. And even in worship, it has been such a blessing to meet with the worshipers and also to hear this morning the depth upon depth that God is taking them. It is not skill. It is not professionalism. They are needed. But it is a heart. It's a heart of worship. The heart of besotted with Jesus Christ, as they would say in Ireland. Besotted, completely in love, overwhelmed with Jesus, and that's all it matters. And that's where we keep our purity and it never becomes anything else. So that's been wonderful. And also to see different individuals converse with different individuals, what God is doing with you and your families, the young, the older, at every level, that God is doing something amazing. So be blessed as you even go to that next level. And we're looking forward to hearing great news that the Lord is doing among you. So I was thinking about what can I share today from the Word of God. And um, I'm sure those of you already heard me this week. There'll be similar themes coming through because that is very close to my heart. So today's chapter, I'm going to go to Matthew 7 and go to Matthew 7. And we are going to start with the last verse and work our way uh, from the beginning afterwards. So the last verse, chapter 7, verse 29 and or 28 and 29. Now, I don't know about you, you know, when we are in the apostolic prophetic movement of God, sometimes we get so excited about it. You know, and we think about the apostolic prophetic move and the reformation and the transformation, and I am one of them. And uh, also, I don't know about you, theologians love 
things like 1 Corinthians, uh, Romans, and Romans, the book of, uh, you know, doctrines. We wrestle with the doctrines, saying, wow, this is amazing, and Philippians, and then Revelation. We are kind of lost, thinking, wow, God, incredible, right? And often we think, oh, the Gospels, they are the simple ones. You kind of read it through fast to get to the real substance. But here we have, you know, so Paul says, remember this last week I've been saying, Paul, a Jewish man who was brought up under the traditions of his forefathers, suddenly lets everything go, now has a fresh revelation of the application of grace and grace alone, faith and faith alone, and Jesus and Jesus alone. And here he's beginning to bring something. And it was an amazing uh, reformation, revolution, transformation, blowing up the minds of the Jewish mindset, saying it all rests on this one person. And you mean we don't have to do the 653 laws? And you mean we don't have to keep this, that, and the other? You mean by faith we are justified? You mean by grace that God has freely accepted us? We all find that difficult because we all think we can contribute to something to God. We find it difficult to think, actually, we can't bring anything. God just comes with everything for us. So, so often we love that, which is wonderful. So Paul said, listen, I know you Jews are finding it difficult. So just look at me. Just watch me, how I'm thinking. Watch what I'm bringing. Watch how I behave. You will get the message. So he was able to say, follow me as I follow after Christ. But where we are going today, Matthew 7. You know, I know in all our different professional fields, when you have a master class from the author or master class from the pioneer, everybody is kind of holding on, saying, wow, wow, he's the one who's walked it, or she's the one who's walked it. Let's kind of listen to this. And here we have a master class, Jesus himself. He wasn't what you call, like Paul had to come to a place of revelation. He is the revelation. He is the word. He is the message. He is, and now he's coming. You know, when I read it even this morning, I was beginning to get extremely emotional, and I was hoping, God, please don't let that happen in the pulpit, that let me get through the message. Because I can see the heart of Jesus in this, looking at his disciples who are not getting it, who are getting confused, and he's looking at all the different systems that are against them, and he's looking at his whole grouping to think, what am I going to do here with these people? And is bringing amazing teaching to them. So there is a master class. And the people who observed it, in verse 28, when Jesus had finished saying these things, the crowds were amazed at his teaching. Because he taught as one who had authority and not as their teachers of the law. So the key word here is authority. Authority is what distinguishes between religion and the walk of faith. Between the counterfeit and that which is genuine. It is authority that begins to make that distinction. So the, Jesus didn't say, I have authority. These are people who saw him said, you know what? He is not like our experts because the competition was, if there was one, was the experts of the law, people who have dedicated their lives, family systems who have dedicated their lives full-time, 24-7, to study the Word of God and to bring it forth. They were the teachers of the law. So they were an elite group of people who had, if you like, the oracles and the precepts of God passed on to them generation to generation. They had the art, they had the style, they had perfected it, they repeated it, and they kept going. They kept rehearsing it. And we would say from some kind of behavioral things that we do, it's a good thing to keep repeating memory so it becomes actual. So these guys are well, well rehearsed in the matters of the law. They were experts of the day. And even with that amazing understanding and ability, generationally, they lacked authority. And that is something that we have to take hold of. Authority is key. Authority is what goes with the keys that Jesus has given the church. Authority is that thing that will unlock things that has been locked up. Authority is a thing that will break through when everything else fails. Authority is a thing that will move from one level of glory to another. Authority is a thing that the enemy will shudder at, the, de the devils will shake at, and the hell is shut. 
Because when authority moves, the devil knows it and he even respects it. He will not cross the line because you cross the line with authority, he knows he's going to harm himself. So he's a coward, so he will not come up against authority. And so here we have these boys who were teaching the scriptures, they assumed authority. They felt they had a status in society. They felt they had the responsibility. They felt they have that oversight of God's people. And yet, they did not have authority. Jesus, speaking with an odd accent from the north, uh, as we call in England, he had a Geordie accent because people knew that he was a Nazarene. He was the common man that people kind of dismissed, saying, we know his father. He's from a builder's family. Yeah, they might have done some architecture there. We know his mom. We know his brothers. Who is this guy? He was not through Gamaliel. He wasn't through our temple system. He hasn't got our stamp. He has not been rubber stamped. Who is this guy? So authority that is not of God will look down on the authority that which is of God. And they were all kind of looking down their noses because they judged him according to their expertise, and yet they could not produce authority. And so here is Jesus doing a master class because he recognizes that the people have seen it. Because as I said this week, when you're going to look for a fruit, you don't need a binoculars to see whether it's an apple or a pear, right? You know an apple tree and a pear tree. And here it is. It's standing before them. These are not experts, the common people, the crowds. They are able to look and say, you know what? This man has authority. But a whole bunch of the teachers of the law, they have no authority. So they are beginning to wonder. So now Jesus is teaching them how to have that authority. He is teaching them with a tender heart, with a great compassion, and he is teaching them, this is how I demonstrate authority. Now you might think, okay, what is he talking about? What is authority? Now I did look up the Strong's Concordance because we all like that kind of thing, don't we? And in the sense of ability, authority is a privilege. It is a force. It is a capacity. It is a competency. It's freedom. It's mastery. It's got that superhuman ability. It is like a magistrate, so it has got legal authority to shift things. It, has, it is potentate, that means it is so, it's not just potential, it is potent, that means it will cut through. You know the most irritating thing, right, in the kitchen, when you have a blunt knife and trying to cut a very thin steak or something like that, you think, ah, oh, flip, who put this, you know, where are the proper knives? It's a bit like that, when believers are expected to cut through something, and they don't, and you get frustrated, thinking, oh, God, what's actually happened? So these boys from the temple, they were not cutting through. But Jesus was just touching it and it was slicing it through. So here we have an authority that is superhuman. It is an influence. It has a liberty. It has a strength. And I can keep going on. And it is something that we all need. If not, some, uh, without authority, things will not change. So here was Jesus actually demonstrating everything of authority. Now, interestingly, now, husbands, this is a word that is given for husbands, too, that you have authority in your home. I got rather impressed. Wow, we got that's very good. But then I thought, how does that authority come from? I thought, ooh, now that wasn't very nice. Part B. <laughs> a was good. Oh, wow, that man, husband, has authority. And part B is he will lay down his life as Christ lay down his life for the church. And if he does that, he has authority. If he loves his wife as Christ loved the church, he has authority. If he washes his wife with a word, he has authority. That means somebody who is functional knows brokenness to be able to let everything go and partake in that place with Christ Jesus to be nullified of everything of who we are and be what God calls us to be into that context in marriage, then that husband has authority. So here we have Jesus come, you know, coming to teach us from, uh, from chapter 7. There's plenty even before then, but I'll just focus on some aspects of chapter 7. So there's a time clock there to be, for me to look at too, to keep going. But here, look at Jesus, how he starts in chapter 7. He says, do not judge, or you too will be judged. 
In the same way you judge others, you'll be judged. And with the measure you use, it'll be measured to you. Now, let me explain a little bit. I'm sure you might already know this truth, but it is worth mentioning. And this is the verse I find many um, people who are compromised in the call of God, who fear truth and cannot confront truth in self or others, use this verse saying, oh, you do not judge anybody. Okay, so, oh, it's interesting. Yeah, the Bible says that. But this word judge here is a particular type of a word. It says, do not fault find with people. Do not just scan the environment to find fault. Because as believers, we are called to judge all things. That means judgment is discernment. Judge, weigh, test. So whenever there is a prophetic word comes, we have encouraged all of you that take hold of it, but judge the word. Weigh the word. Test it out. Look at it against the scriptures, saying, is this a word from the Lord or not? Then take it to those in spiritual oversight. Judge it for yourself. Is this God? Now, that's a different word, judgment. So we are all called to judge. But this judge is a fault-finding exercise. And the fault-finding exercise, Jesus said, if you start doing that, because why is he saying that? He's cutting through these wonderful teachers of the law. What do you think they were doing? They were the superior ones. You know, they, we are the elite theologians, and we look down on you. Oh, yeah, you there, you don't understand. You just do what we say, but don't do what we do. Okay? Now, that's authority seen like that. Even in our Christian circles, authorities, you know, I have authority, right? You just listen to what I say. But Jesus says, do not put yourself above as if though you are above the word. Bring yourself under the word yourself. He says, why do you look at the speck of sawdust in your brother's eye and pay no attention to the plank in your own eye? How can you say to your brother, let me take the speck out of your eye when all the time there's a plank in your own eye? You hypocrite. First take the plank out of your own eye. Then you will see clearly to remove the speck from your brother's eye. So Jesus is teaching us a genuine authenticity, a genuine authenticity of the individual bringing themselves under the word of God that they either speak, teach, prophesy, um, propagate, whatever it might be, that they are not above that word, they are under that word, that same word, because the word of God is authority, not the human being. So just as the Pharisees have taken a position, they have taken a position above the word of God to treat their fellow man less than them. Jesus says, you just cannot be that. And so it's amazing, isn't it? That's the first key. And I wonder what the Pharisees did when they were there. Probably they thought it's not for them. They thought, this Nazarene, some nonsense, it'll all pass by. But Jesus was cutting through the spiritual atmosphere, the religious spirit, the religious cloud to bring back authenticity of walk of the God of Abraham, Isaac, and Jacob, the true God, the true followers, just as their forefathers who have done mighty things in God. So Jesus is bringing this entire generation to that place to see, okay, listen, I'm teaching you, walk in this way so that you'll be genuine, so you will not be a hypocrite. And Jesus goes on. Now, this is very key, dear people. I know it sounds kind of not very polite. Maybe here in America, we can probably take this. In England, you have to really carefully. It's very polite. A nation, do not give dogs what is sacred. Ooh, that's a bit tough. Do not give dogs what is sacred. Do not throw your pearls to pigs. If you do, they may trample them under their feet and turn and tear you to pieces. Ah, oh, this is one of my, I don't know how many favorites I have. I keep saying favorites. But this, for us, those of us who understand systems, those of us who want to know systems, Jesus is saying, listen, first understand the system. Because what I'm doing in you, it is so special. It is so sacred. It is so pure. This is not common. This is unique. This is something I'm giving you. And when you exercise in it, make sure, do not go and freely, randomly share. If you do, you might go into a context that they're not going to value the sacredness of what God is doing in your life. They will not value the sacredness of what is going on. It looks too simple. It looks too basic. It looks too mundane. But God is transforming an individual. Do not get so excited and do not go randomly sharing it with this person and that person. Because they are dogs, that means they are only looking at their own appetites, only looking at their selfish motives. They do not have godly motives. They want to see your word. How could it profit them? That's all they're looking for. They have been driven by their carnal nature. And Jesus is saying, please do not give it there. 
Then he's saying, he says, look at swine. Look at pigs. They do not appreciate hygiene. They will eat, eat anything, trample anything, do anything. He says, that which is sacred, do not even take it to that territory. Do not be so holy and think, oh, if I just pray and go there, all will be well. No, it is not. Get the smell of the pigsty. Get it in your nostrils so that you will not go there. And sadly, sometimes those are people that we will know, and that will be even in the church. And so that makes it even more difficult because Jesus is not talking about people outside. He's talking about those who are related and connected under the name of the God of Abraham, Isaac, and Jacob, and yet are not in that place of practicing the faith that God has given them. They find themselves motivated by their own motive agendas, their own selfish carnal appetites, and their own uncleanness, that that which is sacred to you. Jesus said, they will not just trample it. They will turn around and render you too. So be careful when you are willing to go and share something generously because you have a generous heart. Christians, we all have that, isn't it? We have a generous heart, but let your generosity be guided by the prompting of the Spirit of God. Let it be guided by the wisdom of God that comes from the Word of God. Do not freely distribute that which is sacred that God has given you. So even this... So, Father, in the name of Jesus, Father, when we have gone into places where our own emotions, our own fears, our own hurts has guided us in a place that our own selfish appetite has risen higher than your divine purpose and your corporate purpose, Father, we, we come before you and we say, God, we confess our sin, that we have been people who have been more interested in ourselves. And, Father, in that place of confession, Father, we ask, God, will you heal? God, will you cause us to be not people who are guided by our stomachs, people who are dogs, people who are in the pigsty, smelling our own aroma and feeling sorry for ourselves. But God, will you cause us to be people who are truly called to be people who are called by your name in your position in Jesus' name. So we just keep moving on. So be aware that which God has given you sacred. Protect it, preserve it as you would protect a newborn child, not to be exposed to those things that can affect the child. Because God will call us accountable. If he's given us something precious, he will look to us to see how we have guarded, protected, applied wisdom, so that no dogs come near, no pigs come near, not in the wrong environment, not in the wrong place. So Jesus dealt with us to submit under the word. Now he's saying have wisdom, that which you are being proven in, to not make it general and publicly and freely available. And then Jesus touches an amazing area. Now, these boys here in the temple, you know, because of their positioning, they've already positioned themselves above the word of God. So what do you think is going to happen when they raise their hands before God? They can only repeat parrot fashion what they have learned. There's nothing coming forth from the spirit man. Everything is coming from the head. Well-rehearsed knowledge of the soul. Nothing of the spirit is coming forth. So they repeat prayers and very eloquent prayers too. At different points, Jesus said, you know, these guys, they really are so, they, you know, they take position, amazing garments that they wear. They take real kind of pride in who they are. And they repeat these things. But here Jesus is saying, listen, I want to make it simple to you. Watch yourself under the word. Apply wisdom. Now be prayerful. He says, ask and it will be given to you. Don't make a big deal about it and utter so many prayers and repetitions. Just ask and it will be given to you. He says, now with that application, seek and you will find. So don't stop. Make it your intent to be pursuing righteousness, pursuing the way of life, the word of God, the, how God is going to outwork something. He, he says... He, and it shall be given to you. Seek and you will find. Knock and the door will be opened to you. So Jesus is saying, now get back to that place of prayer. Application of the word. Put it into practice. Go, knock, seek, and look to see how I would open things that have been shut for generations. I would open things that are impossible to open. Because it is I who opened the door. Because you are in communion with me. Your life is being aligned to me. So therefore, because you are in communion, when you knock, there I am with you to unlock the door. When you are seeking, there I am with you that you will find. No matter what it is. Whether it is in your business sector. Whether it is in your personal life. Whether it is in your 
community life, church life, it doesn't matter. Jesus is saying, listen, come, let's work together. Ask and it will be given to you. Seek and you will find. Knock and the door will be opened to you. For everyone who asks, receives. The one who seeks, finds. And to those who knocks, the door will be opened. So Jesus is giving back. He's empowering the people saying, do not be dependent on human systems to get you through. Come back to the walk that I've given you as individuals in the simplicity of prayer. Ask, knock, seek, and you will see that ways will be open. Then you will know your God is watching over you. And there he is bringing back the simplicity of the walk of faith. So Jesus is saying, listen, I'm sharing these things to you because I am the word. I do not know about the word. I didn't study the word. I haven't specialized in the word. I am the word. So this is what it looks like when it's distributed. It is simple. It is connected. It is relational. It is two-way. It is a dynamic process Jesus is passing on. And he's saying, listen, you guys are so frightened to pray. And here you are. Let, let, let me tell you this, he says. Which of you, if your son asks for bread, will give him a stone? Or if he asks for a fish, will give him a snake? If you then, though you are evil, know how to give good gifts to your children, how much more will your Father in heaven... Give good gifts to those who ask him. So in everything, do to others what you would have them do to you. For this sums up the law and the prophets. And can you imagine this cutting through the guys who specialize in the law? Jesus said, by you doing this simplicity of walking, Asking, seeking, knocking, and then recognizing in confidence that I am your father. That because if you guys can do good things for your children, how much more your heavenly father from a place of purity. So he says, if you are doing these things, and he says, in everything, be accountable in that way. Make sure you do unto others as you would like it to be done to you. So you know that you're not independent, you're interdependent. So you're in a dynamic relationship in that place as you apply. He said, you walk the simple walk, he says, you will beat all these guys who have studied generationally. You will, you know, in this, sums up the law and the prophets. <sighs> Man, all that study, why did we do that for? Jesus said, this is the simplicity of the walk. And so he was giving... Hope back to the people, because their hope was shattered, not just because, I think their hope was shattered more than the Roman oppression over them. One is political Roman military oppression. But their hope was shattered by their own leaders. Their own leaders disempowered them to make them so dependent on them in a wrongful way. If they were walking the way, it's fine. But they have got into an empty way of rehearsal and hypocrisy and a deadness that cannot come through, that is so blunt, and yet they require a submission of the common person to them to follow the ways of God. And said, if you don't do this, you are making our people, the Jewish people, a vulnerability to these foreign oppressors. Their oppression was greater than the foreign oppression. Because Jesus brought back hope. He didn't remove Rome and the oppression. Within that, Jesus brought a freedom. And that's what he was teaching. Sometimes God will change our circumstances. Other times he will call us to demonstrate when everything is against us. He'll call us to demonstrate because that is authority. That is superhuman. That goes against the flow. That climbs up rather than come down. So that's what Jesus was saying. This is amazing. So the common person is hearing, think, wow, I can walk again. I can believe in the God of Abraham, Isaac again, and uh, Jacob again. I can have the simplicity of prayer life again. I can again exercise and believe that there is a God who answers my prayer and who answers it to every detail. And they suddenly realize, now I can walk even if anybody else is not watching me. I can walk in that place of accountability before him. And Jesus is saying, listen, dear people, enter through the narrow gate, for wide is the gate, and broad is the road that leads to destruction. And many enter through it. But small is the gate, and narrow the road that leads to life, and only few find it. You know, as Christian people sometimes, you know, even as denomination churches, we like to be popular. We want to be liked. And we like to go with the flow. If somebody else is doing it, we don't want to be seen, not part of that trend. We try to belong to that trend rather than being faithful to that which God has called us for. Jesus is saying, enter through the narrow gate. 
He says, your situation might look so insignificant, so small. And you wonder, what are we doing, God, in light of all these guys are doing this, 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 this? What are we doing? I have asked that question. I don't know about you. And you plug away, plug away, plug away, be faithful, anything, God. But the church down the road, the guys don't even labor, and they have 1,000 people in six months. How did that happen, God? Yeah, because they brought a couple of good worship groups, and everybody went there. So I'm thinking, God, why has it got to be that way? It is not mine to ask. For me, I have to go back and say, let me walk that narrow path that God has given me. Let me be faithful. That might look insignificant. That might not look popular. That might not look anything that anybody will want to buy. But those who have eyes to see will see. Those who have ears to hear will hear. The one who is applying the word, who is walking the narrow way, not seeking the popularity, not seeking the affirmation, often even of Christendom of 21st century, of the digital age, but still walking that basic walk before God, knowing he who sees all things will reward me, and I will keep walking, and that's my encouragement, and nothing else. And Jesus said, be careful to join the large group because they are all walking through that wide gate and it's easier to do it. Narrow gate is far more painful to hold on, position, keep going, push, keep going. So praise the Lord. Isn't God good to us in these days? He himself doing this amazing masterclass. Then he says, oh, you know what? We as a prophetic movement, we heard Bishop Hammond there. What a wonderful thing this morning to hear him. He's a dear, dear man, isn't he? How he has given his life for the voice of the Lord. So all of us, many of all here, are benefactors of it. And even in England, he stood out and everybody said, Hey, man, you have gone off the rockers. They called him Wild Billy. And there he was. He kept it, he kept it, he pushed it, he pushed it, saying, No, this is God, this is God, this is God. All the Pentecostals were telling him, You're adding to the word, you're adding to the word. He says, No, 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 this is the illumination of the word. This is the illumination of the word. God is the one who is speaking. And here we have about, you know, warning about prophets here. Watch out for false prophets. Ooh, they come to you in sheep's clothing. But inwardly, they're ferocious wolves. By their fruit, you will recognize them. Do people pick grapes from thorn bushes or figs from thistles? Likewise, every good tree bears good fruit, but a bad tree bears bad fruit. A good tree cannot bear bad fruit, and a bad tree cannot bear good fruit. Every tree that does not bear good fruit is cut down and thrown into the fire. Thus by their fruit you will recognize them. And again, as a passage that I use a lot in the marketplace, I often will tell ungodly, rebellious, stiff-necked individuals, you know, I, I have some, uh, something to share with you here. A tree is known by its fruit. So as a cognitive therapist, as you know, I was explaining for those of you who were here yesterday, that I'm looking at their behavior to see that's their fruit. Whatever is expressed out is the fruit. Then I had to trace it back, if that fruit is not good, to see how we can correct the seed, which is the thought, to change that fruit. So here Jesus is saying, just because somebody externally claims the context of, I am a prophet, I prophesy. They might even, I must say I have seen professional prophets around who are well rehearsed. You know, prophets can become like the, what do you call these boys, uh, the scribes and the Pharisees, who have mastered the art, who have mastered what to do, who have actually can mimic it almost, and also believe that they're doing what God is telling them. But Jesus said, listen, this is how you're going to wear them. He gives them a simple thing. Are you going to be plucking good fruit from a battery? Or, uh, you know, he says, do you do that? He says, no, you won't. He says, measure them. Not their gifting, their character. Measure it. Look to see what their character is. Look to see how they have been. Are they good husbands and are they good wives? Look to see, are they good fathers, are they good mothers? Look to see how they have applied that word and grown that character. Look to see whether they have come under the authority of God's word. Look to see whether they are fault finders with a critical spirit. Look to see whether they elevate themselves above others and look down on others. Look to see whether they are people of wisdom who know when and how and where to distribute the word of God. Look to see how they connect. You know what the other thing that you need to look to see? If you're a true prophet, whether they have rejection. Isn't that wonderful? All of you called to the prophetic. 
one of the greatest signs of a true prophetic call is rejection. And somebody has to be at least one person should turn up and be murderous towards you. Then you know you're right. <laughs> you know, because I told you the other day, whenever, wherever we were, I can't remember what meeting, you know, there was one qualification Jesus gave Jerusalem and he cried over Jerusalem. He said, Jerusalem, Jerusalem, you who kill the prophets. It's easy for us to say, ah, they are the Old Testament guys, all that. It's not true. It's in the New Testament too. I've seen quite a few trying to kill my wife. So I know it's not a nice thing to say. But I've told people, listen, this is the way to measure a true ministry, that some will receive the word gladly. They will embrace you. They will love you because they see, they hear what you're bringing. The others will be questioning. Mm, actually, it looks good. Let me investigate. But there will be a definitely another third group who want to kill you. If you don't get it, man, you're doing something wrong. You're playing safe. You're going for popularity. You're not standing for truth. Because if you're genuine in truth, here is a master. He displayed the truth perfectly. He taught the truth perfectly. Some loved him. Some thought, this is very interesting. And also he gives some food, so let me turn up for some food. Some did that. <laughs> and the others, they sought to see how we can get rid of this guy. He's actually a threat to our system. Is actually a threat to our security that we have developed over generations. This security, this odd board comes and tells us and challenges us. And how dare he take any sense of what do you call um, authority to tell us what to do. After all, the guy is from the marketplace. What does he know? He's a son and he's a builder. We know the family. You know, and he hangs out with these fishermen who know nothing. You know, they're, they're unschooled, rough and ready guys. Look at his company. And the, this guy is coming to tell us what to do. That's what was wrong. Jesus knew it. But he was a genuine article. And they sought to kill him. Take another faithful servant, Apostle Paul. He's somebody who copied. He, uh, hupogromos, that's the word that we say in Greek. He copied under the life of Christ. Because he did that, the message he brought, some received him gladly. Read Acts of the Apostles, right? Some received him gladly. The other said, mm, quite interesting. This guy is bringing some good theology here. The third group wanted to kill the guy. They wanted to get rid of him. And they had to lower him in a basket, and this guy had to run all sorts of problems that Paul faced. Everywhere he went, somebody wanted to get rid of the guy. That's how an authentic ministry is proven. <laughs> what? Luke 6.26 says my wife. So that's a reference for you to write down. Luke 6.26. So... Dear people, if you're called to the prophetic, bear that in mind. I know somebody we spoke to this week who is a call to be a prophet. So one of my first questions was, do you know that verse? They want to kill the prophets. So the Bible says, watch out for false prophets. Because there are many. They don't want to walk the walk. They are cowardly. They want popularity. They will not put themselves out for the truth of God. They don't apply it themselves, so they don't expect others to apply it. A prophet, if you meet one, they will push you to the wall until you apply the truth. <laughs> because that's all they are. Because they said, I am a sinner saved by grace. By grace and grace alone, who I am. Why are you different? There you are. Why are you different? So Jesus says, beware of false prophets. Because again, Jesus is saying, listen, we do need revelation. He says, we do need the revelatory gift. But when the revelatory gift comes, he says, dear people, weigh it up. Check it out. You know, make sure, because inwardly, that which they're bringing is a ferocious wolf. You know what that actually means? Ferocious wolf. We talked about dogs, pigs, and here you're another one. Ferocious wolf. These are Christians who call on the name of God. Internally, they have a reason to destroy who you are. I mean, what a wicked thing. And you think, it will not conceive in my mind. But there you go, that's how far sibling rivalry can push you to. Sibling rivalry means you hate that somebody else has something that you don't have. Rather than being content with what God has called you for. And sibling rivalry will go to covetousness, will go to envy, will go to jealousy, and the only way out is to kill them. Ferocious wolf. Nice, isn't it? This is the call of a believer. This is a call of a believer. So Jesus says, watch out. So when the master says, watch out, let's watch out. Let's weigh that up. 
let's, let's not reject the prophetic because without it, we'll be religious. But with the wrong one, we'll be dead. So we better make sure we are on the right side. So because looking at the fruit is not difficult, right? You will know the measure of people when you're talking to them. Is this pure? Is this impure? You just know it. Just weigh the fruit up. Look at the fruit. And here you are, another strong one for those of us in ministry. Not everyone who says to me, Lord, Lord, will enter the kingdom of heaven, but only the one who does the will of my Father who is in heaven. Many will say to me on that day, Lord, Lord, did we not prophesy in your name and in your name drive out demons and in your name perform miracles? I will tell them plainly, I never knew you. Away from you, you evildoers. Praise God, you know, among church culture, when you come through that amazing, wonderful church model of what we call the temple, we think everything is going to happen in the church, right? We think one day we are going to be worshiping, and suddenly the glory of the Lord is going to fall, and suddenly somehow the community will be transformed. It's a weird thing. If you really check with somebody, what do you really mean? I mean, how will the visitation of God look like? Amazingly, to my shock, many have said that. Jerome, it is a time of worship. When we're in a place of worship, suddenly the cloud of God will come down. We will not be able to minister like in the Old Testament. We'll all stand amazed. I says, then, so is your church building enough to take your whole city in? And they think, oh, they say, oh Jerome, come on. You know, we don't know those things, how those will work out. And then the others say, Jerome, you know, I'm praying for supernatural acts, signs and wonders. I'm praying for miracles. I'm praying, you know, when that happens, we know. And I will know that you are an apostle, Jerome, when you can perform the signs and miracles because the Bible says it should accompany them. So we get kind of fixated in a kind of a, a model, we think, what it looks like to move in the supernatural. And Jesus is saying, you know, if you go just for the external, because of it is God's word, he will still honor it. If you pray for somebody and cast a demon out, God will still honor it because it is his word. You can minister to somebody because of his word, not because of you. He will still honor it. But he says, but if you haven't acted that word in your life, he says, if you have not but the one who does the will of my Father. So he says, if you're not a practical, exercising believer in the private, I do not know you. He said, that's my point of meeting with you. When you bring yourself under my word, when you're under my spirit, guided by my spirit, in that place of prayerful communion, we work together, and the things that you do, you know that you are not doing it. I am doing it through you. But those who do not know me take my word, and they use it. And because of my word, I honor my word, and they think they're vindicated because these things happen. So just because there are signs, wonders, and miracles doesn't mean it is authentic. Let's weigh the fruit. Let's look at the fruit. Let's measure it, not with a critical, fault-finding attitude, but in the discernment of the Spirit of God and the Word of God. If Jesus entrusted the judgment to the common crowd that was listening, how much more those of us who are trained in the Word of God and in the Spirit of God? How much more weight should we carry? How much more that we need to educate our people? Do not run after every skirt that looks like it. It is God who justifies. So, here we have an amazing thing. And this really gives me great comfort for us, each of us, to keep walking the walk on that narrow road, no matter whether we have public, uh, uh, what do you call, acknowledgement or not, we keep going because we believe this is what God is doing in us. Then God knows how to work it all out when we know him and he is in us. And Jesus is saying, listen, dear people, if you don't do these things, if you don't put into practice, the time of testing will come. And that's the next bit he goes to. Therefore, everyone who hears these words of mine and puts them into practice is a, like a wise man who built his house on the rock. The rain came down, the streams rose, and the winds blew and beat against that house, and yet it did not fall because it had its foundation on the rock. But everyone who hears these words of mine and does not put them into practice is like a foolish man who built his house on sand. The rain came down, the streams rose, and the wind blew and beat against the house, and it fell with a great crash. 
So Jesus is saying, dear people, build that strong foundation. Build that strong foundation, whether popular or unpopular. Good times and in bad times. Keep building that foundation. What is the foundation? Jesus is the foundation. Jesus is the revelation. Jesus is the cornerstone. Without Jesus, the cornerstone, apostolic prophetic is irrelevant. Totally irrelevant. Apostolic prophetic can only be a foundational gifting and ministry to affect foundations of people, to affect foundations of systems, to affect the foundations of corporate, to affect the foundations of society. It can only be truly effective with that cutting edge if it is connected to the cornerstone Jesus in the application of the word of God in that private place, communing with God in that private place where nobody's watching, where nobody's measuring you. You are walking the walk and that is a true apostolic prophetic. So the glory goes to God. Jesus, the cornerstone. Ah, can you see those ingredients that Jesus distributed so beautifully? And not surprising that people look to him and say, he has authority. This, this bloke from Nazareth, man, he teaches with such a cut, it really hits us somewhere. And we really know that is the truth. Because you know the Bible says, he made us with a capacity to fear him. Every one of us. But we have exchanged the truth of God for a lie. Romans, that's the doctrine of Romans. So here we have the people know something of the deep place where God has made them. They know that voice. You heard Michelle say that. And some time ago, God gave me that revelation. As we were, you know, one day I was preaching. I didn't, I didn't prepare this beforehand. While I was preaching, I said something. I thought, oh, that was impressive. That's really good. I didn't know that before. But I was preaching at that point in time. And God said, when somebody hears my voice and responds to me, that is not the first time they've heard it. They know they have heard it before. And that is before the foundation of the earth was laid. He spoke and said, this is my masterpiece. I will make it with all my affection and love. With my image, I am going to get this individual together. And I will bring them into the place of birthing when I decide. He's made and put his imprint on us. And he spoke it. He wasn't a craftsman who didn't speak to his creation. By his word, he came to be. So we know that voice. So when these people heard it, they knew this is a genuine article. They knew the other boys did not have it to hit the spirit, but authority will hit the spirit. So authority comes by these ingredients that Jesus outlines for us in that quiet place where there is no funfair there, nobody waving the flags at us. In the quiet place, in the place of brokenness, in the place of preparation, when everything is at odd against us, we still believe. We continue to believe. We keep praying. We continue to seek, ask, knock, continue to be in that place of discernment, not in a critical spirit, under the authority of God's word. When we build these things, the rains will come. It will test it. Ah, that life remains standing. And the other one is washed away. And that's what Jesus says. When you look for them, you can't find them. Because you have stood the test. So praise God. So this, again, is something that was in my spirit to bring today. So take hold of this. This authority doesn't come by an appointment. This authority comes by a walk. This authority comes in the quiet place. Then you take it within the church, it'll cut. Take it to the marketplace, it'll cut. When you stand up against all the hordes of hell, it will cut. The great philosophers of this age, the great intellectuals of this age, this will cut. Anywhere, everywhere, no matter what nation, what people group, every culture, every nation, every people you take this to, it will cut through, even through translation. And that's the word of the Lord. So may God bless this house to be a house of authority. House of authority. May every one of you in your marketplace, in your callings, giftings, graces, Apply the master class from Jesus. You will never go wrong. Because he who is will never lie. That's one thing Jesus can never do. He is the truth. He is the truth. Well, let's pray. Father, we just thank you. Thank you for this amazing mirror that we can stand against. The wonder of Jesus. The Messiah of Israel, but yet the Redeemer of the ends of the earth. God, even as we as your creatures come before what is man? Who is man who can even begin to scratch the surface of your teaching, O oh God?
But yet we thank you for the privilege that you give us to co-partner with you, just to be able to just to catch a glimpse of your glory of that master class today for us. Lord God, we thank you. You have touched hearts today. You have touched spirits today. Let it be that place of a genuine, authentic walk with Jesus Christ, with purity, with holiness, with passion, with urgency, and most of all, totally lost in love for you. So God, you loved us from everlasting to everlasting. You have loved us. With an everlasting love, you have loved us. With everlasting kindness, you have drawn us close. So Father, even in this time, as we come together and come to an end of this last week, we thank you. You have already gone before your people here and you've prepared the way. Thank you for that which you have done in the past season. Thank you, you kept your people when that rain came, when the water rose. Thank you, your people have stood. Thank you, they have rooted in the rock. You, O oh Lord, our Jesus Christ. So, Father, even as they are tested and proven, even as they are now released to the next season, let that sharpness that you have developed in them, let them, just as they touch it, will cut through every situation to see the kingdom of God invade and advance and the kingdoms of this world will become the kingdoms of our God. For your name's sake and for your glory. In Jesus' name, amen. Amen.